Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you this morning. And uh, I'm super excited about our time together. Hey, do you know that today uh, is the day that the church uh, celebrates the birth of the church, and it's called Pentecost? And uh, so we know Pentecost was a big day in the life of the church and Acts, and it's the day the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the disciples and changed the world, and they went out and they lived the mission, the Jesus way, and they spread the gospel throughout all of the known world. And so today is that day in the life of the church that we celebrate Pentecost. And so I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's an exciting day. And, uh, and so we're praying, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit shows up today and has already shown up and is moving in your heart and that you will leave here different than when you came today. And so let's pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to be in our conversation. Father God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that uh, you have gifted us with this gift of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and comforts us and directs us uh, through life. And God, we're so grateful for that. Father, we pray that as the church started over 2,000 years or 2,000 years ago and launched forward and it changed the world, that it would continue to change the world today. God, that we would continue to live on mission in such a way that we would change the world and that we would be powered and empowered and equipped by your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. God, would you be in our conversation today as we talk about taking back our lives? In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever had one of those moments where you had an epic fail and everyone was watching? Like everyone saw you fail miserably. And I don't know about you, but I've had a few of those experiences, especially as a parent. And, uh, and I, I remember one when Emma was just three days old. And uh, so she is a brand new baby. We brought her home from the hospital on Super Bowl Sunday in uh, 2002. And, uh, and I'll never forget the day as long as I live. And so my mom came over, she made us dinner, and I was in charge of bringing Emma to the dinner table. And, uh, and so in her car seat. And so I picked up the car seat and I assumed that she was buckled in. And as I made my way to the table, the handle of the car seat wasn't locked or in a locked position. And I remember that the car seat, for whatever reason, flipped. And it sent Emma flying out of the car seat. Three-day-old Emma, brand-new baby girl Emma, flying out of the car seat. And I remember it was like one of those slow-motion things, right? Like, I'm like, no, right? And the baby and my mom's like, no. And, and Emma's mom's like, no. And she's flying through the air. And I'll never forget it. Uh, I reached out with my other hand. I dropped the car seat, reached out with my other hand, and Emma landed right in my arm. Her brand new little baby face uh, landed face down in my palm of my hand, and the rest of her body just landed right on my arm, and I caught her. And I remember, I didn't touch her for like four days after that. I'm like, I'm done. I failed as a dad. That's only three days old. And, uh, and, and she didn't, and, and she almost hit the floor, and I was freaking out. And, uh, and so from that moment on, I obsessed over making sure that she was buckled into her car seat. Anytime we went anywhere, I'm like, is she buckled in? Check it twice, check it three times, making sure that she was buckled in. And that daggum car seat, I made sure that handle, right, was in the locked position uh, before I moved her. And so we're in this series that we're calling Take Back Your Life. 
And the question that we're asking is this, are we really buckled in? Like, are we really buckled in? You can look good on the surface. You can look like life is together and you can look like you're buckled in and you can appear to be buckled in, but deep down, not have that anchor or not have that foundation that will last or have an eternal impact. So are you buckled in? You see, that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to take back our lives. We're trying to take back control of the things that we've given control over to that are not going to make us happy and not going to make us filled with, with what God wants for us over the long haul. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to unpack uh, this message that I'm calling a sight for sore eyes, a sight for sore eyes. Now, when I say a sight for sore eyes, I bet that it conjures up uh, images in your mind of people, of people that maybe you haven't seen in a long while, and when you finally get to see them, there's like that moment of refreshment, right? Like, I haven't seen my mom in, in a long time. It's been like six months since I've seen my mom. And I know that in that moment when I get to see her, I'm going to see her in July, I'm going to say, oh, you're a sight for sore eyes, right? We get that. We've been there. We've done that. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about our sight, and he talks about our vision, and he talks about the things that we allow to come in through our eyes. And this is a really popular passage, Matthew 6, because it's the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's Jesus' first recorded public message uh, or sermon. And, uh, and it, it's called the Sermon on the Mount because he preached a sermon on the Mount. So real creative. And, uh, and so, um, and here's what Jesus says. And I just want to read it with you. And if you have your Bibles again, Matthew chapter 6, let me just read it for you. Here's Jesus, and he's speaking this word. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, how many of y'all would agree that your eyes can play tricks on you? Anyone agree with that statement? Your eyes, they do. They play tricks on us, right? And have you ever done one of these crazy puzzles uh, where you stare at the thing at the right way and you see the picture like this one I found online? What do y'all see? A panda. a panda bear. Good job. So give yourselves a hand if you saw a panda bear. If you saw something other than a panda bear, you either need to wake up or go to bed, one of the two. Um, but, but there's a panda bear up there. And in our lives, oftentimes we don't see the full story. So often we see what we want to see, right? We see what we want to see. And because of that, we often, often, often mistake much of the reality that we assume is there for what we want to be there. So we often will see things that we want to see. Leadership guru uh, Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of, a highly, of a highly Effective People, he put it this way. He said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. You see, the truth is that reality is made up mostly of what we cannot see. And, and we're unable to see it because of our fallen state. And so what we need to learn to do is to see the spiritual and to see the unseen. And often what we can see are those things that are temporary, like we often focus our eyes on things that are temporary 
and things that will soon be gone. But what we cannot see are the things that will last forever. It's the unseen realm that is eternal. It's the unseen things that we want to focus our attention and vision on. So what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves this really important question. What are the blind spots that I am blind to? What are the blind spots? What are the areas that I'm not seeing? What are the areas that I can't see because of what I'm preconditioned to see? What are the things that I'm missing? What are the things that I'm not seeing because I'm not connecting the dots? And I'm just, not see- and I'm just seeing what I want to see rather than what I need to see. And we all know that uh, the saying, we are what we eat, right? And we know that because everything we eat comes into us and it becomes a part of who we are. But the truth is, we are also what we see and the way that we see it. And David, the psalmist and the, the guy that took down Goliath and uh, the shepherd, uh, he knew this. And that's why he said in Psalm 101, he said these words. He said, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. You see, David knew, and, and I think we need to understand that we need to be careful about what we let into our souls through our eyes, that we got to watch what we watch, that we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I taking in? What am I allowing in through my vision? What am I watching? What am I bringing in through my eyes that maybe I should be even avoiding? And I say that, of course, because I'm not talking, um, I'm talking about the bad things, right? The evil things, like David said, but it's not just And hear this, it's not just the evil things that can get in our way in our ideas of vision. As we learned last week, it's not just being bad that's a problem. And we talked about this last week. It's also about being busy, right? Being distracted, that that can also be a problem. So perhaps there's not, perhaps there's things that we're watching that aren't necessarily bad, but they're just worthless. They're just sucking up our time. Uh, They're not helping us. They're just distractions from where we want to be. Like maybe there's things that you are uh, watching and wasting your time on when you could be spending time reading your Bible or you could be spending time praying. Like you're like, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time to pray, but I got time to Netflix, right? Like there's things that we do that are worthless and things that we watch that are worthless. In Psalm 119, David continues and he said this. He said, turn my eyes. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. You see, God wants us not just to avoid the evil and wicked things. Like God doesn't just want us to avoid the bad things, but also to stay away from the worthless things because God knew and David knew that both the bad and the worthless things are holding us back. They keep us from becoming that who God has called us to be. And so because of that old saying that the eyes are the window to your soul, or as Jesus put it in Matthew 6, that the eyes are the lamp to the body, and what that means is this, that what you say will impact, what you see, sorry, what you see will impact you. That what you are allowing in through your eyes to your soul 
impacts your life. What you see and what you make sense of and the reality that you're living in, the story that you're writing, that it will impact your life. And not only does it impact your life, but it impacts the lives of those around you. Now here, Jesus is saying that one's eternal life is impacted because of our vision. That our vision impacts us all the time. It's like, it's like this. It's like when you're walking through your house, right? And there are two ways that you can run into something in your house. And, uh, and so one way is that there's not enough light, right? Like there's not enough light, and we've all done it. You, you got to get up in the middle of the night. You have to go to the bathroom. You want to get a glass of water. It's dark, uh, but you don't want to turn on any lights because you don't want to disturb anyone, or you feel like your eyes are adjusted, and you know your house, right? Like you know every nook and cranny of your house, and you're not going to bang into something, but as soon as you start thinking that, bang, you hit the foot of the bed, or bang, you hit the coffee table, or bang, you hit the dresser. And as soon as you hit that thing, like stub your toe, that's when we really know how much you love Jesus, right? Like in the middle of the night when you hit your toe, you know how much you love Jesus because some unspiritual words are coming out of your mouth when you hit that toe and, you, and, and bang, and because there wasn't enough light because you couldn't see where you're going. So that's one way. But then there's a second way, and it's this. That there is enough light, but your eyes aren't working properly. You got enough light, but your eyes just aren't focused on what they need to be focused on. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying there's plenty of light. There's plenty of light. I'm with you. There's plenty of light. But if the light in you is dark, if your spiritual eyes aren't functioning or working, it doesn't matter how much light there is if your eyes aren't receiving that light. And if you aren't using the light that is given to you. So spiritually, spiritually speaking, if you're an eyesore, that is to say, if you're living a dark life, if you're living a vindictive life, if you're living a petty life, if you're living an anxious life, a worried life, a life that's full of mistrust or greed or jealousy, your vision, how you see things is going to be altered. And you're going to hit some walls in life. And see, it's not just going to affect your vision either. It's going to affect everything about you. It's going to affect your health. It's going to affect the way you think. It's going to affect everything about even your relationships with those around you. So when we talk about being blind and seeing, of course we think about that salvation moment, right? Like we think about uh, that I once, was law, I once was blind, but now I see moment. And even if we are saved, though, there are still things that are right in front of us that we don't see. Like, just because you have given your life to Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, that you're going to have perfect vision from that moment on. There's going to be times where you don't see things. And so God needs to come and he needs to touch those areas of your life that are, well, they're a spiritual eyesore. Like there are times when our vision, our spiritual vision isn't working as good as it should. And so fortunately for us, Jesus came, right? So that the blind would receive sight. And those who have already received sight would receive more sight. And those who have already received a lot of sight would receive even more sight. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
Listen, God wants you, church, to see more. God wants you to see clearly. He wants you to be aware of what's going on in your life so that you don't, um, so that you don't fall, so that you don't trip up spiritually, and so that you will be aware, uh, so that you can be aware that you don't see as well, maybe, as you want to or need to. He wants to restore your vision so that you can see the fullness of what he wants for you. And I hope that you want the fullness of what God wants for you. And so often it's right there in front of us. But because our spiritual vision, we're blind or we have blinders on, we don't always see the thing that God wants that's right in front of you. And fortunately for me, I feel like I am uniquely qualified to give a message on what it's like to have unhealthy eyes because of what happened to me as a kid. And, uh, and so I was in kindergarten and uh, maybe first grade, and we were playing this vintage game called Pickup Sticks. Anyone ever played Pickup Sticks? Is it just me? Okay, a couple of you have. So, so I was playing this game called Pickup Sticks, which is a, a horrible game when you think about it. And, and we were under a table in, in the classroom, and we were playing this game. And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but the entire bunch of pickup sticks got shoved in my eye. And, and you know how you start the game, you get them all in a bundle, right? And then you set them down and you let them drop and they, and they fall. And they fall in random ways and you got to start picking them up. And so whoever had the pickup sticks went like this and it went right into my eye. And, uh, and can you imagine being the parent getting that phone call on that day? Uh, Mrs. Connor, um, we have your son here and, and well, he just got a bunch of pickup sticks shoved in his eye and we think you need to come get them right? And so as a little kid, I was thinking my life was over. I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to see again. I'm going to have to live one. I'm going to have to wear one of those like pirate um, patches. And I was like, well, that'd be cool. No, I don't want to wear a pirate patch for the rest of my life. And, and so I'm thinking my life is over. And let me tell you this, and this is what I know, is that when your eye is hurting, it impacts your whole body, right? Like when you get some trauma to your eye, it impacts everything about you. And I can tell you right now that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six is very true, that if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body does not feel right. That if your vision is off, that the rest of your body doesn't function well. I mean, it impacts your whole life uh, to not see like you're meant to see. But the scary thing is, is this, that the human eyes are capable of adjusting, right? Just like when you go into a dark room, your eyes automatically readjust. When you're only down, when you're down one eye, your eyes adjust. And then so you can see out of one eye and not use the other eye. Like when I was wearing that patch, I'm like, this is crazy. I was a little kid. I'm like, I can't, you know, I, it doesn't bother me that because my other eye adjusted and overcompensated for what I couldn't see. And I think that's the danger uh, for us when we're thinking about this spiritually. We might not see or we might not notice areas of our life spiritually. And so what do we do? We adjust. We adjust and we settle. We're like, well, I can't do that. I don't see that happening. I don't see that, that road I'm taking that I shouldn't be taking. And, and our eyes, our spiritual eyes adjust. And we begin to settle for what's less than what God wants for us. And if you don't recognize that you have blind spots and you say, oh, I don't have any blind spots spiritually. Like I can see perfectly. 
then Jesus is like, well, then I can't do anything for you because you got this thing called pride going on where you think you know it all and you see all. But those of you who are willing to admit, if you're willing to admit that your vision is off, maybe a little, maybe a lot, then he has a ton that he can do for you and he has a ton in store for you. And my hope for all of us today is this, that we're saying, God, help me to see the things that I cannot see. Like, God, open my eyes up. There's areas of my life where I know that I'm blind. There's areas of my spiritual life where I know I'm missing the mark, and I don't even know what it is, but God, I know you do, and I know that you want to show those things that I'm missing to me. I don't want to be content. I don't want to just settle. I don't want to just readjust, but I want to, I want to, I don't want to just get by. I want to be able to see the way that you see. We need to admit that we've got blind spots and we need to ask God, what are my blind spots? And so let me just share with you five I words that I think will help us to deal with our vision. And they're five words that you would hear an optometrist say, uh, five words that if you experience trauma to your eye, you may hear. And the first word is pressure. And you probably know this, that there's pressure inside your eyeball. If you've ever gone to get your eyes checked, they shoot that, eye, that air. I hate this part. Like when they shoot the air into your eyes and they measure the pressure in your eyes. And so your normal eye has a pressure between 10 and 20. However, when you get trauma to your eye, your pressure of your eyeball increases. And it, increase, it can increase so much that your eyeball will pop if it's that much trauma. Uh, but if not, it can cause you to be confused. It can cause you to have vertigo. It can cause you to uh, just be plain sick. And I thought about this pressure in our eye, and I thought, you know what? We live in a world that is full of pressure, right? Like, there's so much pressure to perform. There's pressure to succeed. We're going to celebrate our graduates at the 11 o'clock service, and they're under this huge amount of pressure right now. Like, people are asking them the question, well, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? What are you going to do when you grow up? And they're having to answer all these questions, and they just got done, like, passing all those tests and making sure that they made the grades. And there's all this pressure and, and for us, there's pressure. Like we have pressure to, to succeed in our jobs. We have pressure to be the best husband, the best wife. We've got pressure to be a good dad, to be a good mom. We've got pressure to be a good friend. There's so much pressure. And my question for you is what do you do? What do you do when you feel that pressure? Like what happens in your spiritual soul when you feel the pressure rising, I mean, do you lash out at others? Like, do you freak out? Do you worry about it? Do you over-obsess about it? Do you medicate? Do you alleviate it with spending, like, crazy amounts of money or, or maybe drinking or mindless entertainment? Like, how do you handle the pressure? Or how about this? Do you, do you go to worship? When you feel the pressure, do you worship? Do you thrive? Do you evolve? Do you grow? Do you listen and do you do the things that you need to do to build up the pressure in here so that the pressure out there doesn't cause you to cave in? You see, it's kind of like a submarine, right? Like a submarine would be crushed by a tin can, like a tin can by the pressure of the deep sea if it didn't have the pressure equal to or greater than on the inside. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like a submarine goes deep into the depths of the ocean. And if it didn't have a greater, equal or greater amount of pressure on the inside, it would just explode because of the pressure on the outside. And you and I, we can't do anything to change the pressure on the outside, the pressure that we face in the world. But the solution isn't trying to get rid of it. 
but rather to have a greater source of inward pressure, pressure that comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why you read the God, when you read the Gospels, you always find Jesus going off to a secret place. Like think about that, that evening before when he gets arrested. And about, he knows that the next day he's going to face a trial. He's going to be beaten and tortured and crucified. And he's feeling the pressure on the outside. And what does he do? He went and prayed. He went to a secret place and he prayed so that he could pump up the pressure on the inside to an equal or greater amount than the pressure he was facing on the outside. So don't spend your time trying to get rid of the pressure. The solution is to spend more time with God on the inside to create this positive spiritual pressure that is greater, equal or greater than the pressure you're facing on the outside. So there's pressure, but then there's also trauma, right? Like when I got those pickup sticks shoved in my eye, there was trauma done to my eye. And even though my eye cleared up in time, there was still lingering effects of that trauma that you couldn't see. Like my eye cleared up, it was no longer red, it was no longer puffy, it was no longer seeping, but there was still trauma going on on the inside of my eye that you couldn't see. And some of you have gone through some really hard things. And no one here would even know about it just by looking at you. Because you've experienced trauma. All of us have experienced trauma. And again, the question is, what do, you do, what do we allow that trauma to accomplish in our lives? Because trauma is always going to have an effect. Like you can't get hit by a train and not be affected by it, right? Like trauma always has an effect. The grief of losing a loved one has an effect. The challenge of watching your mom pack up the car and choose not to live with your family anymore has an effect. The trauma of abuse in our lives has an effect. And we've all gone through hard things. We've all experienced difficult things, and that's trauma. And it's going to impact your life. The question is, what will that impact be? Will we become a bitter person because of it, or will we become a better person because of it? Will we be defined by the worst day of our lives, or will we allow God to heal the trauma? You see, my eye, it, it took care of itself. It healed. I had to put drops in my eyes, and I had to do other things, but it healed. And God wants to heal the trauma in your life. The third word uh, that we talk about is focus. It's focus. And when we experience trauma, uh, your eye tends to, um, it tends to freak out. It tends not to focus like it used to. Like if you've ever experienced trauma in your eye, you'll know that it takes a while for your eye to reboot, right? It takes a while for it to reboot and to refocus. And, uh, and eventually it will, but it's blurry for a while because that's what your eye does. It's protecting you. And here's my question. What are you focusing on? Like, what are you focusing? What, what means the most to you in your life? What's your go-to when things get sideways and you lose control? If you're like many, you end up being like Snoop Dogg, right? Like with your mind on your money and your money on your mind. I mean, that's what he said. And you're focusing on it. Like when we get out of focus, when life gets out of focus, we tend to focus on our money. And that's like a weird connection, but it's actually not because the reason Jesus told the parable of the lamp in Matthew 6 is because he was trying to teach the people about money. 
He said in, verses, in the verses right before, he said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moths and the vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart will also be. What you're focused on is where your heart is. And so what he's saying is your body can't be healthy if you're staring at the wrong things. An unhealthiest thing that you can stare at would be money. He's like, he knew that money, while it can buy nice things, it's not going to fix your marriage. That while money is nice to have, it can't heal your relationship with your son. It can't actually change anything about your heart. And the sneakiest thing about money is that we are often blind to it. We're often blind to its effects on us. And that's why Luke 17 says, watch out for the greediness. Watch out, look, focus on the greediness in your life. Because it's obvious, right, when we murder someone, it's obvious that we did that. We know when we're lying to somebody, but you can accidentally fall into greed and not even know it. Like, that's why the Bible says the love of money is evil. Not money is evil, but the love of money because the author knew that money can lead to greed if we're not watching it. So what you spend your money on reveals what, your, what value, what you value, and it gives you a map to your heart. So we have to stay focused. We got to stay focused on the things that God wants us to be focused on. So you got focus, you got trauma, you got pressure, and you got uh, the fourth word is dilation. And this is another thing I hate when I go to the eye doctor. I'm glad I have large pupils because I very rarely have to be dilated. But have you ever been, anyone been dilated? It's miserable, right? Like you got to wear those really corny glasses when you go outside and, uh, and, you, and it, it's like all the light is coming in. And you know, snipers, they will actually, um, to save their night vision, they'll wear a patch over their eye to not let any light in so that they can protect their eye. And, and how much light is coming in? Is it too much or is it too little? And, and they can both be bad at the wrong times. And if you, like if you want to see the stars, uh, you need your pupils to get really dilated so you can see the stars at night. And spiritually, God wants us to open up the eyes of our hearts to let more light in. You see, we need more light. We need the light. The light has come, and Jesus is the light of the world, and he's right there with you through life. And you need to open up your eyes and see what he sees. You need to see what he's doing. You need to remember what, that he's always with you. And to remember that he loves you, he loves you, and he even loves the people that annoy you, but he loves you. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, Paul prays this prayer. He says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. The question is this, are you letting God dilate the pupils of your soul? by spending time in his word, by spending time together in worship and, and hearing and listening to God's word together, by spending time with his people, are you doing the things in your life that will allow more light to come into your soul? And the last word, as we wrap up, is the word brilliance. And there is just something amazing about looking at the human eye. And you know there are people that have this shine about them. Their eyes just shine bright and there's a sparkle about it but you've also noticed there's some people who have lost that sparkle right like their eyes don't shine anymore there's no hope and purpose like there used to be and psalm 13 3 says 
Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. Listen, God just doesn't want you to bring sight to your eyes. He wants to bring the sparkle back in your eyes. He doesn't want them to be flat. He doesn't want them to be dull. He doesn't want them to be glossed over. He wants them to be shining with hope and purpose and resolve. He wants them to be, I love this, he wants them to be filled with whimsical wonder and passion. When's the last time you got whimsical with God? When's the last time that you, your heart and your soul was full of wonder and passion? Last night I was sitting on my back porch and I was, uh, I was just getting ready for today and, and I was watching the fireflies. And we don't have fireflies in Florida. So I'm watching the fireflies and I just got caught up in the wonder of a firefly. They were lighting up the tree line and it was so amazing to me. And so, so how do you get your sparkle back? I believe it comes from fully embracing the extravagant love that God has for you and for me. He doesn't just love you either. He likes you, right? Like he likes who you are and he loves you. And there's nothing on this earth, no job, no object, no person that can offer you true everlasting sparkle in your eyes like Jesus can. So as the worship team comes up, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this one thing, that every time God looks at you, it's like the first time he saw you. And he always says this, ah, you are a sight for sore eyes. I love seeing you. I love watching you. I love watching your life grow. I love it when you ask me to open the eyes of your heart. I love it when you get whimsical and passionate and wonder. I love it when you're in awe. So church, let me just challenge you with this. Set your sights on pleasing God. Because so goes your vision so goes the rest of your life. Set your eyes on him as you run this race. And here's what you'll realize. You'll realize that there is this incredible power that comes flowing into your heart as you set your eyes on him. His eyes are actually scanning to and fro and looking for opportunities. God is looking for opportunities to bless any of his kids who are putting their eyes on him. So church, set your eyes, set your eyes on the Lord. Is there going to be trauma? Absolutely. Is there going to be pressure? Yes, there is. But let's dilate our eyes and let the light of God come in through our vision into our souls and change us from the inside out. May the brilliance God be seen in us. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much that, Lord, you gave us these amazing things called eyes. And God, through our eyes, we can see so many amazing things. With our vision, we can be in awe of your creation. God, with our vision, we can see fireflies and go, hmm, man, I wonder what God was thinking when he created those things. God, but our vision is so much more than that. Because what we allow to come in through our eyes, it seeps into our souls. 
So Father, may we be alert to the things that we are allowing into our souls through our eyes. Lord, if we've experienced trauma, and we all have, if we're facing the pressure, God, may we remember that you're always with us. And Lord, that if we will spend time in worship with you, if we will spend time getting to know you through your word, if we'll spend time in prayer, God, that we experience a greater positive pressure that overcomes the pressure out here in the world. God, you want to bring healing to our trauma. God, you want to restore the brilliance in our eyes. Oh, Lord, come as we sing. God, come and just restore our vision today so that we might see you more clearly, so that we might see others around us more clearly. Come, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, let's stand up together and let's worship. As we worship, if you'd like to come and pray, this altar area is open for you. And, uh, and if you want someone to come and pray with you, just feel free to tap me. I'll be right there on the front row. I'd love to pray with you. And let's worship with our eyes wide open and ask God to restore the brilliance within us. You worship today.